section one of the national geographic magazine volume ten february eighteen ninety nine this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by larry wilson the economic condition of the philippines agriculture by max l tornau of berlin and manila general interest in the philippines a group of islands long all but forgotten by the rest of the world has been again thoroughly awakened by the recent cannonade of cavite even with the final settlement of the philippine question it is scarcely to be expected that the islands can again fall into forgetfulness a glance therefore at the economic condition of the country with a few of the more important statistics will not be out of place for an exhaustive consideration of the subject would occupy far more space than the present article admits of agriculture commencing with the products of the soil two important points strike us as testifying to the varied and fertile character of the land the geographical position of the islands embracing sixteen degrees of latitude and the plentiful supply of water on the other hand in addition to smaller obstacles raised by the administration particularly as regards large plantations the want of labor militates seriously against industrial extension so that of the arable land only a very small part is to-day under cultivation the result is that notwithstanding the richness of the soil we find that the total returns are nothing like what they should be not only do all tropical fruits flourish but also the plants of the temperate zones such as wheat barley and potatoes experiments were made some years ago with wheat and barley and met with every success and there is to-day a german planter in benguet cultivating potatoes i am fully convinced that in certain parts the vine would be grown and at all events those fruits which demand a mild climate attempts have been made with tea to a limited extent and the results have not been unfavorable but to all extensive planting and this is the only way in which it is remunerative the want of railways good roads and laborers presents the greatest difficulty not less annoying is the attitude assumed by the spanish officials and the monks unless the planter is ready to dance at their command the principal agricultural products exported are sugar hemp and tobacco and to a less extent coffee the cultivation of which however has of late greatly decreased indigo sapon wood and copra must not be left unmentioned for they may certainly be expected to take a higher place in the philippine trade in the future than in the case at present rice and maize are grown only for home consumption and even for this purpose the supply is not large enough rice is imported from saigon and bangkok and cocoa from java although the extremely fertile soil of the philippines could produce all that is required at home and enough to admit of a large export trade as well formerly from eighteen fifty to eighteen sixty and perhaps later rice was exported from the islands but the quantity gradually decreased until exportation ceased altogether and finally the grain began to be imported the blame lies with the miserable administration of the country the planter can no longer compete with rangoon saigon and bangkok where the authorities know how to meet the farmers when necessary 
and where ships are not exposed to endless chicanery such as is practiced by the manila custom-house officials for this reason most foreign vessels are careful to steer clear of the latter port sugar is chiefly exported from the visaya islands and the trade is almost exclusively via ilo ilo the largest place after manila situate on the island of panay cebu the third largest part of the archipelago does now but a small and steadily declining trade in hemp the best tobacco grows in the north of luzon in the province of isabella and the south of cagayan the most northern province of that island in the valley of the rio grande de cagayan the northern province of luzon from the gulf of lingayan in the west to the pacific are separated from manila by a range of high mountains the caraballo over which there is with the exception of a path and the telegraph no road whatever much less a railway the tobacco therefore is sent on covered boats called barangay janes down the rio grande to apari and there shipped by steamer to manila a flat-bottomed steamboat also runs from iligan when the water allows it otherwise it goes only as far as to gigarao in this way the transport from the most southern tobacco centre eshog which as the crow flies is only about one hundred fifty miles often takes as much as three weeks tobacco has also been planted on the west coast of the northern part of luzon and on the visayas islands this however is of inferior quality and is mostly exported to spain in manila it is not used except perhaps by the chinese factories for inferior cigarettes regarding the tobacco monopoly abolished in eighteen eighty three i shall have some remarks to make later an important and world-famed article is manila hemp or abaca a product of the musa textilis it is remarkable that although there are the most various species of the musa flourishing all over the tropics and in warm climates generally the musa textilis appears to thrive to the best advantage only in the philippines attempts to grow the plant in other places have been uniformly unsuccessful like its better known relative the edible banana musa paradisiaca the stem of the plant is formed by the leaf stalks in the centre of which again is the blossom stem the finest growth is obtained by the volcanic and rainy districts of the philippines more particularly in camarines sir albay samar leyte baranduque cebu and in some of the small neighbouring islands as well as the negros and mindanao the valuable hemp fibre is found in the petioles from which it is taken before the plant has borne fruit as otherwise the fibres lose in elasticity and lustre in two or three years the plant has usually attained such growth that it can be cut down and leaves removed the green epidermis stripped from the stem and either the last strips torn off lengthwise or the petiole separated singly and the inner membrane with the pulpy portion of the plant removed the base strips thus obtained are then drawn under a knife in order to scrape away any pulp that may have remained on them the product after having been dried in the sun is then ready for shipment this process though simple involves a great loss of fibre which might be avoided by the use of more efficient stripping machines it is difficult to accustom the natives to anything novel but when once progress has gained a general footing headway will soon be made in particular paths also manila hemp has so far been equalled by none much less excelled the principal article is fair current with its higher and lower grades of less importance are quilat and the silk-like lupis 
which besides their use in the manufacture of fine native fabrics are also employed for superior toilet articles in europe especially in the ladies hat trade from the current sorts excellent ships cables and miners ropes are made and in america where great quantities are consumed they are used to make green binders for harvesting hemp comes into the market in bales of two spanish pickles two hundred eighty pounds english the price varies much being subject often to great fluctuations which naturally give rise to speculation about the middle of the present century the price ranged between four dollars and five dollars with high course of exchange steadily rising in the sixties we find from seven dollars to nine dollars and in the eighties eleven dollars was the average in eighteen ninety it was artificially pushed up to seventeen dollars an immense crash being the natural result and all this at a high or even higher course three shillings three and a half pence to three shillings eleven pence per dollar the course now began to fall steadily until after the outbreak of the war it stood at one shilling ten and a half pence of late the prices for fair current have been between six dollars and nine dollars per picule at a course of two shillings and at the end of april the ton was sold in london at nineteen pounds during the blockade of manila the price was pushed up to nearly forty pounds at the end of the war it fell again to twenty eight pounds ten in eighteen eighteen two hundred sixty one pickles worth four dollars per pickle were exported after that there is no record of exportation of hemp until eighteen forty in that year the amount exported is stated to have been one hundred thirty six thousand thirty four pickles eight thousand five hundred two tons thirty years later in eighteen seventy the amount had risen to four hundred eighty eight thousand five hundred sixty pickles thirty thousand five hundred thirty five tons the export then increased still more considerably the following figures show how it has stood during the past six years eighteen ninety two one million five hundred eighty eight thousand one hundred pickles ninety eight thousand eight hundred eighteen tons english eighteen ninety three one million two hundred eighty two thousand nine hundred forty two pickles eighty thousand one hundred eighty four tons english eighteen ninety four one million five hundred ninety one thousand nine hundred sixty two pickles ninety nine thousand four hundred ninety seven tons english eighteen ninety five one million six hundred sixty four thousand five hundred ninety pickles one hundred four thousand thirty eight tons english eighteen ninety six one million five hundred thirty one thousand eight hundred ten pickles ninety five thousand seven hundred thirty eight tons english eighteen ninety seven one million six hundred eighty nine thousand seven hundred fifty four pickles one hundred five thousand six hundred ten tons english the chief consumers are england and the united states the relative consumption by the different countries in eighteen ninety six is seen from the following table england eight hundred fifteen thousand forty four pickles fifty thousand nine hundred forty tons english united states six hundred fifteen thousand five hundred fifty four pickles thirty eight thousand four hundred seventy three tons english china and japan forty nine thousand four hundred ninety four pickles three thousand ninety three tons english australia thirty three thousand eight hundred ninety two pickles two thousand one hundred eighteen tons english singapore and india 
12,166 pickles, 760 tons English. European continent, 5,660 pickles, 354 tons English. Total, 1,531,810 pickles, 95,738 tons English. The difference between the large export to England and the small amount which goes to the continent, the very last on the list, is striking. England, however, acts here only as a middleman, selling extensively again to the continent, which accordingly buys at second or rather third hand. Various species of the coconut palm are found dispersed throughout the whole archipelago, though the exportation has been considerable only during the last few years. Under a more satisfactory state of affairs in the interior of the country, the export trade in copra promises to increase still further in spite of the large consumption of the nuts by the natives themselves. The meat of the coconut forms a staple article of food, both raw and prepared. The archipelago is very rich in timber, notwithstanding that the exploitation for building purposes has been going on for over three hundred years, and exportation was once very large, nor have new plantations ever been thought of. Sapin wood, for dyeing purposes, is also a product of the islands, and there is a regular though small export trade done in it. That the Philippines are among the most fertile colonies on the face of the earth is well known and has been frequently commented upon. It is less generally known that they are also among the most neglected colonies in the world. According to the Spanish authorities themselves, only one-tenth of the available arable land is under cultivation. As a matter of fact, the amount is much less. What might not be made of this beautiful country were the mismanagement to be brought to an end? Cattle breeding has been carried on by some mestizos for many years, evidently with success or the business would have died out. Of late it has been found more profitable to import the extremely cheap Queensland cattle. But the fact that cattle thrive almost everywhere is a proof that cattle breeding on an extensive scale is possible. A small number of sheep are imported from China for consumption by foreigners. It is by no means improbable, however, that in some provinces, at any rate, they would thrive well. There are but few goats. Of swine and poultry, on the other hand, there is a surplus, the flesh of the former especially forming a favorite article of diet with the natives. In addition to the small but very tough horses resembling those of Java, that most useful of domestic animals, the carabao, or black gray buffalo, thrives abundantly. The white species is also occasionally to be found. The buffalo is employed for many purposes, for working the pumps on plantations, for sugar presses, and for draft purposes. In the mountains the buffalo is met with in the wild state. It is, however, undoubtedly only the domestic species that have been neglected. Nevertheless, in the course of years, the degeneration has been so great that there now exists a clear distinction between the wild and the domestic buffalo. The wild animal has a more compact head and short horns, while the domestic animal has a long head with long broad horns. Neither the horse nor the buffalo is indigenous to the Philippines. Both have been imported by the Spaniards. End of section 1